Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Alrighty, here we go. This is the Travis Neville Podcast. My name is Travis Neville. I wrote this book right here called Reviving Masculinity. It is available everywhere you go. Uh, because everywhere you go, you have your phone on you. So you can just Google Travis Neville. You can Google Reviving Masculinity. Uh, it will come up. It'll give you the option to buy it at uh, my, my publisher, which is Palmetto. You can buy it at Walmart. You can buy it on my website, travisneville.com. You can get it um, at Amazon, of course. You can get it at Amazon. It's print-on-demand, so you can order it anytime, anywhere, and get it. I've sent copies now to every continent, uh, which is pretty damn cool. I had a guy order one, an autographed copy from Dawson City, Yukon Territory, which I thought was really cool. So I was excited to sign one of those and send it off to him. Uh, kind of neat that you can have your work seen all over the world like that. The internet's kind of a cool concept. I like that idea. Um, yeah, so I wrote this book and, um, it's been a lot of fun doing all this work, getting, uh, putting together, uh, information and research and, and talking to experts and, and people who just have opinions I'm interested in. I've made some really cool electronic friends. I haven't, uh, well, I went and I met Sven Erlinson. You guys saw that episode. I did drive to New York to meet him. I haven't done that since. I haven't driven anywhere to meet anybody because things have just been going okay uh, via, um, you know, Zoom calls and stuff like that. But my internet here is so bad. Um, the other day, I was scheduled to record with Johnny Alsasser, which I'm super excited to do. Uh, and I couldn't get my internet to work. So I'm looking for a solution on that. And the solution might end up being... Uh, to, he, he lives not too far from here, and I actually have a, a good friend who lives in that same town, so it might be just to go down there and meet him. 
you know, that might be the, the move, and then just kind of delay doing a lot of recording until I'm in my house and I have more reliable internet. But we'll see uh, how that goes. Um, speaking of friends, I was talking to a new friend of mine on the phone the other night, and she meant she said something that uh, interested me. She said um, that she said, oh, I have flaws. I have flaws. I have insecurities. And uh, I'm aware of them. I'm working on them. But, but you know, I have all these things that... And I thought to myself, well, well then, anyway, they got me thinking. And, and the thought was that, well, then they're not flaws. Because I, I thought, you know, it's really rare that you have a flaw, a thing that you struggle with, and you actually defeat it. I mean, like fully eliminate it from your life. Like, that, that's unusual. Most of the time, if there's a thing that you struggle with, you'll struggle with it forever. But it's the struggle that counts. You know what I mean? I mean, there are no perfect people. Um, we're all flawed. We all have things that, that we struggle with. Um, and so so I thought, you know, um, that concept might be something interesting to talk about. So I'm just, I'm going to call this episode Ideal Man, which is, you know, it really is. It's the main part of the title, but I don't ever refer to it. I don't talk about the Ideal Man part, hardly at all, part up at, at the very top there above the book. Um, I just call it, call it reviving masculinity all the time. I leave out the Ideal Man. And, uh, and I started thinking, man, you know, that's kind of the goal, right? Isn't that something that we should be shooting for? That's what we're trying to do. Like, we're reviving masculinity to make you the ideal man. So what is that ideal man? Well, there's, you know, in the book, I've got 18 different things that you need to be working on. Not perfect at, not a master at, not great at. I mean, if you can get one or two of them like that, awesome. But you need to be working on them. I thought, man, that's 18 fucking things. That's a lot of things, you know? And, uh, and, and then I, you know, that's the conclusion I came to that it isn't, there is no finish line. You know, it's, it's the fact that you're aware of these things and you're willing to put in the work. You know, that's, that's what I think it is. So let, let's talk about that specifically. I'm willing to be the guinea pig here. Um, so I'll tell you where, where I stand. I, I was thinking about this as I was prepping for the show and I'm like, well, what? At first, I thought, all right, what are my flaws? And then my immediate second thought was, all right, which ones am I willing to share on the internet? <laughs> and I think that's very human. That's very natural. Uh, but then I let thought number one diffuse thought number two, and I decided I'm just going to tell you. I know what my flaws are, and uh, so I'll share them with you as honestly as I can. And that'll be me walking the walk. You know what I mean? Not just saying to do these things, but doing them. I'm always trying to do that. I'm always trying to role model if I can. It's part of my background as a teacher. So as I talk about these things, hopefully they will illustrate for you this point that just, you know, you need to be aware of the things that you struggle with and then work on them. That's the second piece. Got to work on them. So being aware is, is a great start. That's usually the hardest thing. Uh, working on them, and then comes the next. So I would tell you that uh, here's a very basic one for me, a thing that I struggle with. I know that once I start drinking alcohol, it gets harder and harder to slow down, turn it off, not just get wrecked. Because it's like a fun slide. I, I know that, and you know, and that's the second chapter of my first book. is is called Drink Moderately. And that was me honestly sharing that, hey, I know that it isn't hard for me to not drink, not at all. I know genetically I'm not an alcoholic. I don't have any physical dependency, nothing like that. 
But I know that once I start having a good time, I want that time to get better and better and better. And as you continue to intoxicate yourself, as you're, this, this is biological, right? As that alcohol starts to ramp up, you become more and more euphoric, right? I mean, until a certain point, and then you're stupefied and you go downhill. I mean, you really don't start feeling bad when you're drinking until you quit drinking, until you, like, it's, all right, it's 10 o'clock, and I'm not going to have any more, and the party's basically over. You're still there, and you're still talking to people and everything, but you don't feel like you did earlier, you know what I mean? I, I know that's how it goes, because I've taken the time to do the research, uh, but that is definitely a thing that I struggle with. So I'm aware of it. This is just Coca-Cola. Sometimes I just want Coca-Cola. It's just so good. That sugar gets in you, and you're just, whoo, you get fired up. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, that's the thing I know I struggle with, and this, like every other human being, you know, the, hey, are you okay to drive, you know, alcohol deletes your adult, all right, it takes away your forebrain, your, 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 your cognizance, your objective thinking, and it puts you, you know, moves you further back in your brain, into your midbrain, which is a lot more, you know, instinctual, right? And that's why you start drinking and all of a sudden somebody that you would never be interested in sexually, you are, <laughs> you know, um, things like that. That's why you, you become, you can become more like an animal. Your, your adult inside your head goes away and you become more like a, like an animal. And, you know, so, so that's a struggle that I have. I'm getting way better about it. You know, I mean, I, I know that it's a, a, a struggle for me, so I do take, I take steps, you know? So I'm going to be out someplace and I know I have to drive home. I will adjust, you know, I have to, if, uh, you know, sleep on a couch or whatever I got to do. I mean, it's not exactly a classy 46 year old man thing to do, but, uh, safer, you know, I do this every time. If I know I'm going to be going somewhere, you guys know, I carry a firearm almost always. Uh, but if I know I'm going to be having a few drinks, I don't even leave it in the car. Like I have a safe under the seat and I will, uh, a lot of times I'll just lock, you know, handgun there in there, but you know, I know that's an instant fucking felony. If you get a DUI and they go through your car and they find a gun, I mean, you're basically going to fuck you prison. <laughs> I mean, like, it's really bad. Um, and I know that, again, I get more into my animalistic brain when I'm drinking, so I leave the gun at home. I mean, little things like that can save you from having big problems. You know what I mean? They, they really can. Um, so that's one thing I know I struggle with. Um, and I don't want you guys to think I'm some crazy drunk. I'm not. I've done that since I've, since I haven't done that since, since I was in college, but, um, I don't know, once a week. I like to have a few. Like tomorrow's Saturday. I'm recording this on a Friday afternoon, the day after Thanksgiving. And tomorrow's the Michigan Ohio State game. And I will go down to the local watering hole here that's near my cabin. And I'll sit at the bar and I will get a burger and I'll probably drink three Miller High Lifes, maybe four. And uh and I'll come home, you know, and I know that in the amount of time that I'll be there and the amount of food I'm gonna eat, I'll be fine. You know what I mean, so that's my plan. I won't. I won't deviate from that plan. That's that's what I will do, uh, and that's basically my kind of once a week thing. You know, if I haven't seen any friends or whatever, I'll go out and have a couple by myself in a public place where there's people that I know and can talk to, and more of a social thing. Anyway, that's one thing. And, uh, you know, I'm aware of it. I fight with it. I I adjust it. I adjust for it as I need to. And I say this in the first book that. Not drinking, I think, deletes some of the greatest parts of life. I want to have a beer if my dad ever comes to town. I want to have a beer with him. You know, I want to have a beer when I had a good week 
and I'm celebrating that. I, you know, if a, if a buddy has a is struggling someplace and, and needs to just talk, I want to be able to do that. So having a beer is like it's its own it's almost its own ritual. And again, it loosens you up. You guys know what it doesn't. I don't need to talk about that too much. You guys are all grown-ups. But that's one thing I know that I have to be aware of and adjust for, just to be careful. Because like I said, once I start down that slide, I want to keep going. I love having fun. I love having a good time. I love having helping everybody else have fun. You know what I mean? Second thing, flaw of mine. I'm going to call it diplomacy. Um, yeah, and that's me being really diplomatic. That's why I'm calling it that. Really, you could say that I default into being an asshole a lot. And I, and I say that because I look back on things that I did and go, God, you're a, real, you're a real asshole there. Now, in the moment, you don't feel like that. You're not trying to be an asshole. You're not trying to be a cock to somebody. A lot of times when people accuse me of assholishness, I was trying to be funny. You know what I mean? But the world is what it is. People are really fucking sensitive. It's hard to make jokes anymore. Because if, if anybody is even just a little tiny bit the brunt of that joke, they can't take it. You know, I've said that for, for years, that that's a huge part of, of learning what it is to be a man, is you've got to understand the locker room mentality. And, and the locker room environment is this. Everything's about, Jack Donovan said it best, I say this quote all the time, that, that respect within men, and I'm paraphrasing, respect between men is, is, is it's still based on what that other man thinks that you are going to be capable of in an emergency. Like, you are going to respect the guy that's calm, strong, stoic, disciplined, instinctual, able to make decisions under under fire, um, can take some shit, he's confident, because that's the guy, when the shit, you were still genetically programmed that way to want to align ourselves with the alpha, so that we're on the winning team that will stay alive. You know, that's the genetic component of it. That's the midbrain component of it. How that fleshes out today is this. When you're in the locker room, you insult the shit out of each other. I heard this quote, too, and I think it's so fucking true. Uh, men bond through insults. They do. They, they insult the, I insult the shit out of my friends. They insult the shit out of me. I have a group text with like 12 guys on it. All these dudes that come up and visit my cabin, we're all friends. And it's, it's mostly just a giant roast. We're always picking on somebody and giving them a bunch of shit. And it's very good-natured shit, of course. Um, but, but we don't mean it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and here's how you could tell that. I'll tell you, this is how it is for God. You guys know this shit. You're a big group. You're going to rag on that fucker incessantly. Well, when it's just you and him, it's probably a lot more cordial. Hey man, how you doing? What's going on with the wife? Tell me all about it. You know what I mean? Like the, the conversation becomes a lot more, less thorny, shall we say. But in that group, like I said, the purpose is to figure out, can this person... Is this person a leader? Is this person strong? Are they able to handle some shit? And, and you know, I, I talk about that. I've talked about that before. That With football in particular, that locker room, we're trying to figure out if, if you're going to be able to take some fire on the field. Are you going to stay? Are you going to block for me? Are you going to, if I get cheap shot, are you going to cheap shot that guy for me? You know, these are the things that we're trying to figure out. It's like that in, pol in the police department. It's like that in the military. It's like that in, in, in all, in, in fire, in the fire department. There's, there's lives on the line. So we got to know if you are going to crack under pressure. So it's ingrained in a lot of men, especially the more masculine men, to kind of weed out the people you don't want to be around by throwing some insults out there. If they can take it, 
then they're probably all right. If they can't, well, then maybe that's not a person you want to align yourself with. So all of that is me rationalizing the shit out of the fact that, yeah, I'm, I'm an asshole sometimes. Not trying to be, but I know that's the outcome. Uh, it isn't... Uh, I'm not ever trying to be an asshole to somebody. Now, on the opposite side of that, I will concede to this piece, that if I don't respect you or like you, I don't try to hide it. Like, I think about uh, teaching jobs I had. I, I taught my last full-time teaching job. Uh, the woman who taught across the hall from me, I didn't respect her one bit. She's, she's terrible. She showed up late. I mean, the, the first bell would go off, and I'm teaching, and I see her walking in brushing snow off her coat, and I know she's got a first-hour class. What are you doing? You know, and that happened somewhat regularly, and it wasn't she didn't even live that far away. She lived in the same town. I would uh, be teaching, and I'd have to shut my door because all of her kids were out in the hall. You know what I mean? For the whole hour. And you know, kids aren't going to do shit in the hall. Oh, you go out there and read. They're just going to sit there and shoot the shit. That's just bad teaching. I'd be in the, in the teacher's lounge making copies on my prep hour, which I know wasn't her prep hour, and she's in there waiting in line to make copies. I'm like, don't you have a class right now? She'd say, well, they're seniors. They're fine. You know what? That's a fucking liability problem. Something happens in there, and you weren't there. School's at, the school's on the line. Like, you're willing to take that risk because you're just not prepared. Anyway, I did not hide that I didn't like her. I did not hide that I, I didn't think. I knew she was a very bad teacher. I watched her. I was right across the hallway. She was terrible. And so I didn't try to hide it. And then in those cases, I didn't try to not be an asshole either. <laughs> like, it just felt fake to me. It felt dishonest. You know, it felt, if, if I don't respect you, and it isn't like that bar is super high. You know what I mean? But that, that job was, it's important, you know? You're cheating kids out of their lives, you know, out of, out of making their, improving their lives and making them better people. It's a big job. It's very important. You can't take that shit lightly. I never did. Anyway, so diplomacy, yeah, that's a place that I struggled. How do I work on that? Well, I have some kind of canned phrases that I use. Um, you know, if, if uh, you know, I'll, okay, I'll give you a good example here. So I had a neighbor one time. And uh, I, I just moved to this place, and, and I'm, I was pulling out of my driveway, and he stopped in the road and stopped me from pulling out. He was in his truck, I was in mine. And he's like, are you going to fix the road? And he started giving me shit about what I had, the work I had done. You know, like, I had, what I'd done is rented some excavation equipment, and I unloaded it in the road, and then drove it in back into my property and started doing the work. And, I mean, there were a couple of tracks. Like, it wasn't even bumpy. Like, it was fine. And that's how he opens up. He's like, are you going to fix the fucking road? The last lady came through here just about bottomed out. I'm like, I haven't seen anybody in like three hours, man. Like, there's not even anybody out here. And uh, and then he's, I responded with a big smile. I'm like, hey, I'm Travis. I just moved here. What's your name? And he tells me his name. And, you know, I kind of soften him up a little bit. And then he tells me he's running for office. I couldn't fucking help it. I said, oh, there's no way I'm going to miss that election. I will definitely vote this year. You know, and of course I didn't tell him I will go out of my way to make sure I vote against you because you opened up like an asshole and something. And you're never going to get a second chance to make a first impression, as they say, right? But never one time with that guy did I break class. You know what I mean? I tried to just swallow it down and be as classy as I could. And I had, you know, I've had similar instances like that, but, um, you know, that's how I try to handle it. That's how I deal, how, to, how I try to deal with my lack of diplomacy, you know? I try to be as honest as I can, and when I can't be, I just say generic shit like, I won't miss that election. <laughs> you know? 
Uh, third thing, and this is a really, this is a big one. This is probably the biggest one for me. Um, I, I struggle to believe that I'm good enough sometimes. And I know that's a very broad statement, but I will um, blame that for anything I don't have, for anything that doesn't go my way. Like, um, you know, when I was married, uh, I got married because I wanted to have a family, you know, and she used to use that to just beat the shit out of me. She used that to manipulate me into doing all kinds of shit and then not doing all kinds of other shit. And it was, uh, it was crushing, you know, when you, and this is why people don't want to share their insecurities, you know, and that's, I go back to that phone conversation I had, uh, for this, for this woman to share this information with me barely knowing me, uh, took a lot of guts. It took a lot of courage, you know, and, uh, that impresses me. That tells me that you're a person that's, again, you're aware and you're working on it. If you can talk about it and why does that show, show strength? Because when you do that, you're basically giving someone uh, the cheat code to just smash your shit. If they know what the things are that really fuck with you, then you can really fuck with them. You know what I mean? Like and that's what my ex-wife chose to do. As soon as she had anything on me, she was going to use it. She was, I felt, she, she was, let's see if I can be diplomatic here and see if I can have some diplomacy. She grew up in a very unusual, very unhealthy environment, um, had terrible role models, and really didn't know how to behave in a relationship. Had no idea how to behave as a partner. Had no idea how to behave as a wife. Uh, and that was because of her upbringing. You know, that's where it came from. And, she, you know, she grew up thinking that was totally normal. If you have anything to use, you need to use it. If you have anything, any skills or tools that you can use to twist people into doing what you want them to do, then you have to. Like, it's like it's your duty. That was normal to her. There's other things that are normal that get under your skin. Like, when somebody tries to fuck with me on price, like when I tell them, hey, this is what it's going to cost to paint your house. And they're like, can you do, do any better? I say, yep, I can give you someone else. Because as soon as you start fucking with me on price, I know you're going to be a terrible customer. You're going to be shitty the whole time. So I don't want to work for you. Go go to somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even fuck with that. Um, Manipulation is the same way. If I catch you doing that to me as a friend, or definitely as a partner, we're probably not going to be friends anymore. Like, I can pick that shit up immediately. Anyway, that's uh, the the um, that's diplomacy. Anyway, believing I'm good enough, like this is how that'll go. Um, you know, all I've ever wanted in my life was to, to I just wanted to be a, a dad and have a family and have a normal life and just teach school, and that's what I thought I'd be doing. I'm not doing that, and but it's still a little bit of an insecurity. I'll tell you that when I got when I moved up here and changed my life and started doing shit the way I really wanted to do it. That really went into the background, which is cool. I mean, because it, it was this heavy ass backpack I used to carry around. You know what I mean? That believe in that. If if I had just if I was just good enough as a person, I would I would have these things that I thought I wanted. But uh, now I'm just you know I, I don't really beat myself up about that too much anymore because I'm doing the shit that I want to do. I'm not kowtowing to that desire. And as soon as I got away from it. I don't know. It just felt better. And I know that if I meet the right person, that'll come right back. It'll be there if I, if, if I ever need it. Desire to have a family will come right back. I'm sure of that. But for right now, it's great. It's not beating me up anymore, which is, which is great. And, and that's how that would go, man. Yeah, I always just felt like well, I wasn't good enough, man. I wasn't uh, strong enough, smart enough, good looking enough, nice enough to people, whatever. You know, like uh, your, your mind, the, the dark place in your mind can take you to some, into some terrible shit, you know? And, and, uh, but being aware of that, knowing that I have that as an insecurity, and this is me again, me demonstrating that 
Step one is be aware, and step two is to work on it. And the way that I chose to work on it was to quit buying four-door cars because I thought, every you know, if I buy a two-door, I end up with a family, and then I have to get a new car. I just ordered a brand-new truck, single cab. Um, you know, oh, I better stay living downstate because this is where the women are, and there's, you know, restaurants and all the stuff that women like. Fuck that. I moved the fuck up north in the middle of nowhere. Like, I'm doing the shit that I want to do. And as soon as I started doing that, that insecurity really started going away. That uh, that flaw of, it, of that insecurity for me really started adjusting. And I know it seems counterintuitive, but uh, it's just the way, it's the way it is. Um, it's, it's the way that it's gone for me. So, um, yeah, that's that's it. I mean, that's what it is to be an, an ideal man in my mind is, um, you know, to be aware of your flaws and work on them. And shit, while you're at it, you know, pick any two of these to work on to start. You know what I mean? Let's, all right, I'm just going to work on chapter four. I'm going to be as accountable as I can. What's a mistake I know I made recently that I can, excuse me, I can uh, atone for, that I can own and say, hey, you know, that was, that was my fault. You know, even if it isn't, it's a, it's an incredibly liberating thing to, to do that, to, to, to look at, Okay, that's a fault of mine, and to fix it. Uh, I'm thinking about this um, this situation where I'm really paranoid about. Uh, this is a good example. I'm really paranoid about my credit cards getting stolen because it, it happens all the time. Probably once a once a year, I'll get a text saying fraud alert, blah blah blah, and then I got to reset all my numbers and all of my automatic payments and all that crap's a pain in the ass. So I try to keep as little available credit on this one credit card as I can because it's the only one I use. Uh, so that if anybody does get it, they're not going to get my money too. So I go to get this hotel over the weekend for Thanksgiving and I come in and, and uh, she's like, your, your card's not working. And I'm like, I want to use my card. I just want to use my card to reserve the room. I want to pay you cash. I, I don't want to use the damn card. Well, you can't, we can't, we can't take cash. We can't take cash. And anyway, there's this whole hullabaloo, long story short, um, I end up going to a different hotel cause they would take cash. And I wouldn't have to fuck with all the credit card bullshit. And that was my fault. I was all frustrated the whole time about this sucks. These people are, blah, blah, blah. but that was me. That was my paranoia about not keeping available credit on this one credit card that I only have to make sure that my credit state score stays high. Cause I don't like credit. I don't like having credit. It's fucking, I don't like being in debt is what I should say. Uh, but that was my fault. You know what I mean? I had to go to a different hotel and I had that hour long hassle in the middle of the day, uh, because of myself. It wasn't her fault at the counter. It wasn't the, the, computer's fault. It wasn't the bank's fault. That was on me. You know what I mean? That's an adjustment I had to make and, and I'm okay with it. That's accountability. Hey, I did that. I fucked that up. You know what I mean? That That's on me. And I'll tell you, it's uh, uh, very liberating because you can sit there fighting with yourself in your head, struggling to find ways to make yourself feel bad about a mistake you made or you just let it go and go, yep, I fucked that up. I sucked up things before and it doesn't make me a bad person. You know what I mean? There's a way to be a better man to find your faults and uh, and get through them. Um, you know, I was talking to my friend Sarah. You guys only talk about her a lot over in. Uh, she lives in California, and we got in an argument a few weeks ago. And I don't know what it was about. It was over text, and it was something really stupid. And we didn't talk for a few weeks. And then I got to give her a ton of credit. She just hopped back up. She's like, "I'm ready to talk." Like, all right. So we get on the phone and she's like, What were we fighting about again? I was like, I told her, I don't know, but I forgave you the moment you did it. 
and uh you know she said the same thing and we you know we made up and everything was fine but uh i give her a lot of credit for being accountable for that she's like you know i, I freak out about this this specific thing and i don't want to out her by talking about it but i sometimes freak out about that and i you know and she really did take accountability for it and i give her a lot of credit for that it's good shit that's her working on being the ideal man good job sarah <laughs> that's normal stuff so the house i want to give you guys a quick update before i sign off here we're sitting at uh let's see we got a finished foundation the plumbing is in which because i'm doing a poured slab foundation like my, my floor is just going to be concrete um all the plumbing is underneath that so all the plumbing is in a bed of sand essentially and then we will put the heated floor stuff down and we'll pour concrete over it so we're at the stage now where the plumbing has been inspected and improved so as soon as the snow is thawed, which should be tomorrow, we'll put down foam, put down a water, water lines over the top of that at certain intervals, and then, uh, then we pour concrete over the top of it. And once that's done, once that concrete is poured, it doesn't matter how cold it gets, it doesn't matter how much it snows, because everything after that can happen in the cold and it's fine. I mean, you can, you can hammer together two by fours when it's 10 degrees out. It sucks, but you can do it. And, uh, you know, we will have that, have that done. I will trench in electricity as soon as my power company puts in this the meter for me i can then trench power into the back the water line's already there uh, i'm calling like hell to try to get the septic people to, to come in and do my septic but they don't return phone calls and they're usually not at the office when i show up there not sure that's part of the cool thing one of the cool things slash downsides about living up north is no one's in a hurry ever <laughs> like i'm like i need this i need this shit done where are you guys you know um but yeah, that's the update. Uh, once we get that concrete poured, which I very much expect within the next two weeks, uh, we're home free. You know, then I can do everything else in the snow, and it won't matter. And you know, at the end of November here, it's almost December. We better get get rolling on that. Um, anyway, that's how that's going. So the ideal man. One more time. And this is just part of it, but everyone has flaws. So let that go. Quit thinking about that you can be perfect and do everything right, and never make mistakes, because it's going to happen. Accept it. Every mistake you make is an opportunity for you to make yourself better by getting used to the fact that you make mistakes and learning how to deal with them. So aware of your flaws, willing to work on them. That's part of what makes you the ideal man. And your insecurities are completely normal because it's all relative. Like you could be level five insecure about a thing and that's your worst insecurity. Well, compared to all the other things, it seems bad, but there's people who have lots of eight and nines in their lives. Eights and nines, right? So it probably isn't that bad. Anyway, my name is Travis Snevel. This is the Travis Snevel Podcast. I wrote this book called Reviving Masculinity. You can get it every damn where. Uh, and if you need one, find me on Facebook. I will send you one for free if you want. If you just hit me up and say, hey, listen, man, I think this would really help my buddy. Or, hey, I really need it myself. I will send you one. I'll send you some stickers. I'll even sign it for you. I don't care. I'm not doing this shit for the money. I'm doing it to try to help some people and, and uh, you know, try to help men be better at being men. Improve your kingdom, fellas, and uh, do great things. Hope you have uh, hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope that in some way this, this podcast helped you to get your shit together. Have a great week.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.